Welcome to the podcast of Fairmount Presbyterian Church in Cleveland Heights, Ohio, where we feature our worship sermons. Listen again to past sermons from home, when you are traveling, or wherever you are. Listen in if you need a moment of reflection, inspiration, and love. Well, growing up, my family wasn't exactly a road trip kind of family, at least in part because I was a terrible passenger. You could always count on me to get motion sickness, no matter the zip code or the mode of transportation. By the age of 14, I had thrown up in a bus winding through the rainforest of Belize on a plane over the Atlantic Ocean in the outfield of Wrigley Field. (laughs) Yes, the actual outfield grass before a game while we were touring the field. On a boat in the Bay of Zihuatanejo, and in the upper deck of the Metrodome in Minneapolis during the Final Four. These are just the highlights. But one frequent road trip destination, nonetheless, of my childhood was my dad's hometown, Dixon, Illinois, about 100 miles west of Chicago. And on those trips out to Dixon, when I was maybe six or seven years old, I can distinctly remember sitting in the back seat of our Toyota Camry when I was suddenly struck with a deep sense of awe. And in that moment, I called up to the front seat and I asked, Dad, how do you know where you're going? I didn't get it. He didn't have a map. And there seemed to be hundreds, even thousands of possible turns along the way. And somehow, someway, he just knew which route to take. He was, I concluded, a navigational savant. (laughs) And I became determined that one day I would live into my father's navigational prowess. Alas, I never really had the chance to hone my sense of direction because by the time I was old enough to drive... The global positioning system, better known as GPS, had become ubiquitous. So instead of studying a route ahead of time or consulting maps or memorizing street names and landmarks, I just punched my destination into the screen and followed the turn-by-turn directions. But we all know that even with a GPS, occasionally we make a wrong turn. And that's what happens, or or excuse me, that's when, when perhaps the most remarkable feature of this remarkable device springs into action. Automatic route recalculation. It's amazing, right? Even though it's my mistake taking that wrong turn, the GPS saves me every time. And it always gets me to my destination, even if it's by a different route, even if it takes a little longer. We'll come back to the GPS, but for now, let's turn our attention to the story of Joseph and his brothers. And let's begin with another quick refresher of this sprawling epic of Joseph that spans 14 chapters in Genesis. So recall that Joseph has 12 siblings, and he was his father Jacob's favorite son. His brothers had grown tired of this favoritism, and they plotted to get rid of Joseph. They sold him into slavery, and Joseph ended up in Egypt as a slave to the Pharaoh's right-hand man. 
Joseph was wrongly accused of a crime and imprisoned until one day he was summoned to interpret one of the Pharaoh's dreams, and then the Pharaoh gave Joseph an important job. Joseph used his gifts to prepare Egypt for a looming famine, and when the famine hit, people from all over flooded to Egypt looking for food. And that's when Joseph's brothers arrived. They were afraid that he'd take revenge, but instead he forgives them. And remember, this is the part of the story, if you were here last Sunday, that we spoke about. When Joseph's brothers, uh, he tells his brothers, don't be upset. Don't be angry with yourselves that you did this thing to me. Actually, God sent me here to save lives. In the ensuing chapters, Joseph and his brothers reconcile. His family moves to Egypt, and life is good. But as I said just before, these verses that we read from Genesis 50, Jacob, their father, dies. And now his brothers are worried that Joseph will exact his pent-up revenge. However, Joseph responds once again, not with a vengeful heart, but instead one full of faith in God's dynamic power. He says, you planned something bad for me but God produced something good from it in order to save many lives. Now, within the confines of this story, the meaning of Joseph's words seem pretty straightforward. He's saying to his brothers, you did something bad, that is, plotting my murder and selling me into slavery, but God found a way to make good from your evil, that is, by bringing me into this position in Egypt and as a result, I was able to make these preparations before the famine and save thousands of people from dying of starvation. But the deeper question beyond this story is, how do we understand this response in theological terms? That is, what do they tell us about who God is and about how God turns bad into good? If we read Scripture with the hermeneutic or the interpretive lens of everything happens for a reason, then we read passages like Romans 8.28, every detail of our lives of love for God is worked into something good. We read these passages and we're apt to conclude that God wills and causes everything that happens in the world. That God even causes bad things to happen so that God can ultimately bring good from them. But that's not really a reformed reading of this story. For one, it trivializes the power of sin in the world. And second, it distorts God's sovereignty and God's goodness by portraying God as a sort of puppet master, manipulating creation and causing suffering as a means of bringing about good in our lives. Instead, I'd suggest that we understand the evil in this story exactly as it's portrayed, as human-generated sin. His brothers sold Joseph into slavery. That was their sin, their wrong turn, not God's planned route. And yet in spite of the sin and suffering it caused Joseph, God is still able to bring good from it. God recalculates the route. You might even call it GPS, the Godly Positioning System. 
Even though the brothers deviate from the route of that godly positioning system, the one that God has laid out for them, God kept recalculating the route. On the face of it, this is a story about death. It's about a family grieving in the wake of their father's death and the complicated family dynamics that often accompany that moment in a family's life together. But really, this is a story of life and death. Listen to Joseph's words one more time. You planned something bad for me, but God produced something good from it in order to save the lives of many people. Even though our individual sin and our systemic, communal, corporate sin consistently lead us towards suffering and death, God is relentlessly leading us back towards life. We take wrong turns, and God recalculates our route. And when we approach Scripture with this lens of recalculation instead of a lens of everything happens for a reason, we can begin to see it everywhere, not just in Joseph's story, but across the witness of Scripture, even in the story of Jesus' death and crucifixion. Those who crucified Jesus planned something bad for him. But God produced something good from it in order to save the lives of many people. This is at the very core of our belief in the resurrection as Christians. The belief that in spite of all of the suffering and death caused by our mistakes, by our wrong turns, that God is perpetually recalculating our route back towards life. This I deliver to you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, Mother of us all. Amen. We thank you for listening to a worship episode from Fairmount Presbyterian Church. Revisit this podcast site weekly for new worship episodes. Have a beautiful and blessed day.